0: The Federal Reserve signals a bevy of rate hikes coming as the economy teeters on the brink of recession. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky begs for more help as the Russian offensive continues to stall. And the Biden administration keeps reaching out to Iran. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, Why in the world would you use the internet without making sure that you are protected? Using the internet without ExpressVPN, that's like walking your dog in public without securing the dog on a leash. Most of the time, it's totally fine. Then there's that one day a guy jumps out of a van, grabs your dog and takes it away and then holds it hostage. Why would you do any of these things? Instead, make sure that you have ExpressVPN every time you go online. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, et cetera, your online data is not secure. Any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data. But ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so they can't. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. ExpressVPN works on all your devices, phone, laptop, tablet, even on your smart TV. It is really easy to use. Just fire up the app, click one button, get protected. I use ExpressVPN. I've been using it for years. And if I use it to protect my own internet activity and I run an entire internet company, you should use it as well. Get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free at expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's e x dot slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben. And while the Federal Reserve finally did what everybody expected it to do, and they raised the interest rates yesterday by a mere 0.25%, that is not going to do it in terms of curbing inflation. It is signaling to the market that there will be a steady increase in the interest rates, that it's going to be 0.25 percentage points every time they're going to do this very incrementally. But they're going to do it six more times by the end of the year, which would put the interest rates at about 1.5, 1.75% if they are on track. Okay, that is significantly higher than it is now. It is well below what it would need to be in order to curb inflation, considering that inflation rates right now are running so hot that they're probably in double digits year over year. According to the Wall Street Journal, Federal Reserve officials voted Wednesday to lift interest rates and penciled in six more increases by year's end, the most aggressive pace in more than 15 years, in an escalating effort to slow inflation that is running at its highest levels in four decades. The Fed will raise its benchmark federal funds rate by a quarter percentage point to a range between 0.25% and 0.5%. That is the first rate increase since 2018. Officials signaled, They expect to lift the rate to nearly 2% by the end of the year, slightly higher than the level that prevailed before the pandemic hit the United States economy two years ago when they slashed rates to near zero. Now, you should remember that what that means is that when they slashed rates to near zero at the beginning of the pandemic, the interest rates were about 2%. We did not have inflation rates that were running at 8%, 10%, 12%, 15% in terms of goods. Right now, services are running about 5% inflation rate. Goods are running about 15% inflation rate. So, Increasing the interest rates to what we had just before the pandemic is not going to do it. You're going to need many, many more interest rate increases. The market took this as a sign that the Fed is getting serious and that they think that the economic growth of the country is going to remain strong. But I would take this as a sign the Fed, once again, is playing around with things that it does not understand. I've constantly been told the Federal Reserve is filled with experts. And yet throughout my lifetime, the Federal Reserve has blown it with easy monetary policies. This was true under Alan Greenspan in the 2000s. It led to the cratering of the economy 2007-2008. It's been true under Jerome Powell, who spent the last two years printing more money than God has ever seen. The Fed's post-meeting statement hinted at rising concern about inflation that initially appeared last year to be driven by pandemic-related bottlenecks, but has since broadened. Fed Chair Jerome Powell announced, he said, As I looked around the table at today's meeting, I saw a committee that's acutely aware of the need to return the economy to price stability and determined to use our tools to do exactly that. Powell announced yesterday that wage increases should slow. Here's what he had to say.
1: There's a misalignment of demand and supply, particularly in the labor market, and that is leading to wages moving up at ways that are they're not consistent with 2% inflation over time. And so uh, we need to use our tools to, to, you know, guide inflation back down to 2%. Okay, so what
0: he is essentially saying is that by raising the interest rates, you're going to get the, the wildly overpaid segment of the population that has been sitting it out back into the workforce because the economy is going to slow just a little bit. People are going to go back to work and when they go back to work, they're going to be paid a little bit less. He then said that the Fed is also going to start shrinking its balance sheet. They're going to start selling off their nine trillion dollar asset portfolio. He said that the, the Fed will finalize that plan by May 3rd or 4th. Here he is yesterday.
1: We made excellent progress toward agreeing on the parameters of a plan to shrink the balance sheet. And I'd say we're now in a position to finalize and implement that plan so that we're actually beginning runoff at a coming meeting, and that could come as soon as our next meeting in May. So this has
0: some pretty serious ramifications for everybody involved. If you take a look at the Wall Street Journal piece, they say what the Fed's interest rate increase means to you. Well, you will feel the impact of rising rates on the individual level and on a household level, says the Wall Street Journal. When interest rates go up or down, the resulting changes in other rates impact the way we borrow money, but also how we save money. Frustrated house hunters, for example, have already seen mortgage rates increase in recent months. Rising rates mean home buyers will pay a little bit more each month in mortgage payments. So those mortgage payments are probably going to go up. You should have taken advantage of American financing and refi your mortgage six months ago. Okay, the reality of the situation is that you're about to see all of those mortgage interest rates go up, and that's going to have an impact on how you pay your mortgage or whether you can even buy that new home. Raising the interest rate is about creating an inducement to save, said Laura Veldkamp, professor of finance and economics at Columbia University. It's basically a deterrent to consumption spending. When an economy is overheated, raising the interest rate is a way to pull back and say, I'll hold on and postpone that spending, right? Because inflation makes you want to spend. Inflation means that your savings are worth less tomorrow than they are today. So you need to spend that money before the spending is is gone, basically. When you raise the interest rates, you're, you're trying to resupply the the monetary value. And what that means is that people are going to want to save rather than to spend. And that means that you're going to have a drawback in certain parts of the economy. The way mortgage prices are set is based largely on the yield of the 10-year U.S. government bond known as the Treasury note. This rate is used as a benchmark for all different types of loans, including mortgages. When the Fed raises rates, this pushes the yield on the Treasury note higher. This will, in turn, push mortgage rates higher. As the Fed has signaled higher rates, the 10-year yield has moved higher. This has in turn pushed the average rate on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage to 3.85%. A year ago, it was about 3%. Meanwhile, banks have little incentive to raise interest on savings accounts. During the pandemic, Americans have been hoarding cash, leading to the highest personal savings rate since World War II and then edging down in recent months. Carolyn Follin, professor of economics at Emory University, she says the traditional view is that rising interest rates helps savers, but most people who are savvy are in a broad range of, ad- of assets. For your average person who just has their money in a savings account, you make nothing. The interest rates offered on savings account and many certificates of deposit often move with the Fed funds rate. According to the FDIC, the average annual percentage yield on a one-year CD is at 0.14%. Goldman Sachs Group's markets account is offering 0.50%. Low interest rates very much affected savers. Said Fernando Martin, assistant VP at Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, people were looking for alternative investments in yield, which always implied more risk. As interest rates go up, CDs will go up, which should perhaps help savers a little bit more. So what you're going to see, by the way, is less investment in startups. You're going to see less investment in brand new SPACs. There's going to be less investment, generally speaking. Inflation creates stock market bubbles. When you take out a car loan, that loan has a fixed interest rate pegged to treasury yields. That means the rise in interest rates shouldn't bring a lot of surprises for those who have fixed rates. But if you have a variable rate, you're about to feel it. Credit card debt is about to go up. According to Wallet Hub's March report of more than 1,500 credit card offers, the annual percentage rate for those with good credit is 18.98%. APR, an increase in interest rates, can sometimes affect the credit card percentage rate. Student loans, those interest rates are probably going to go up. So bottom line is that when you raise interest rates, what you end up doing is you end up encouraging saving, discouraging spending. You end up discouraging lending by banks. The goal is to take money out of the economy. That is, per, that is the stated goal of increasing the interest rates. And when you have the economy that is running super hot right now, and then you start increasing the interest rates, you're looking at the possibility of stagflation. That possibility, by the way, gets worse when you don't just crush it right away. This is part of the problem here. You, you see that, that Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve, they're attempting a sort of lukewarm policy here where they gradually and slowly increase the interest rates the way that we did in 2004 to 2006, when we had 17 straight quarters where you had an interest rate increase. The difference is that 2004 to 2006 was not seeing inflation, 40-year inflation waves. I mean, this is a 40-year inflation wave that we are seeing right now, and it's likely to continue to be bad, not just because of the Russia-Ukraine war, but because we have manufacturing shutdowns in China from the new wave of COVID. Something like over 1% of the entire South Korean population tested positive for COVID in the last couple of days. So COVID is not through with the manufacturing chains. You're starting to see the global economy separating off into spheres of interest as opposed to the globalized economy we have been used to since the end of the Cold War. Uh, Well, all of this spells inflation in products and services in terms of cost. And meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is not doing enough to tamp down those interest rates, uh, to, to ramp up the interest rates, to tamp down the inflation. They're not doing enough for that. Instead, they're just doing it really slowly in the hopes that it won't cause a recession. What that's likely to lead to is longer-term inflation, which leads to stagflation. See, the calculation here is, do you take a lot of short-term pain for long-term gain, or do you try and sort of massage this thing? And right now, it appears the Federal Reserve is trying to massage this thing at the moment. Meanwhile, the White House continues to whistle past the graveyard. They have shifted their narrative again on oil and gas. So you remember that when it came to oil and gas inflation, it was originally inflation is imaginary and temporary. Then it was Well, it might be permanent, but it's good because it just means that there's high demand. And then it was it's oil and gas companies fault for being greedy. And then it was Putin. And now they are back to its oil and gas companies fault for being greedy. Here's the White House blaming oil and gas companies again for the price of oil.
2: While we reiterate what the president said to oil and gas companies last week, the invasion of Ukraine and the volatility of the oil market is no excuse for excessive price increases, profit padding, or any effort to exploit American consumers. No one should capitalize on Putin's aggression by taking advantage of American families.
0: Oh yeah, that's what's happening here. They just got greedy. They got super duper duper greedy. So the reason that I point this out is because what this says is they are not shifting their approach at all. Their approach is the same as it was six weeks ago or two months ago or six months ago, which means that the economic policy pursued by this administration is going to be very, very hard on business. It's going to be very easy on useless businesses that require massive government subsidies. It's going to be subsidies all the way down for all of their union buddies. None of this spells a future of serious growth. Now, as I've said before on this program, in the mid to long term, I'm less worried about inflation than I am about economic stagnation, because I think that the conditions for innovation in this country are getting worse and worse under the Biden administration. Regulations are getting worse. They keep threatening higher taxes. They keep threatening more subsidies for the least productive industries. That is a recipe for European style in, uh, stagnation, economically speaking. We spent more money than we can afford in the last couple of years. And that obviously has driven up things like the, the inflation rates. But as we tamp those down, that just means, by the way, as we raise the interest rates, what that really means also is that we're going to have to pay back more on our national debt. We, we've trapped ourselves here. We're at a very perilous moment here and we are not taking our medicine. We are instead attempting to, again, sort of take the easy path of least resistance. There's a famous story in the Talmud about a a man who walks up to another man who's at a crossroads and he says to the the guide, he says, which way should I go? It's a kid. He says to the kid, which way should I go here? And the kid says, well, there's the long way that's short and there's the short way that's long. And the guy said, I'll take the short way that's long. So he goes on the short way that's long, and it turns out that the short way that's long is filled with thickets and brambles and and blockages, and he can't get through. He goes back. He says, well, uh, I, I see what you meant now. What you meant is that the long way that's short is a longer road, but you get there more quickly because there are fewer obstacles. And know, it seems as though the Federal Reserve is determined to take the short way that is long, right? the easy solution that is not a solution at all. And I have serious doubts as to whether the interest rate increases that they've announced yesterday are actually going to handle this job again. The Democrats, there are two aspects of of the American economy. There's economic policy and there's fiscal policy. Fiscal policy is set by the Federal Reserve. They're doing it wrong. Economic policy is being set by the White House, and they're doing it wrong as well. This is why Jennifer Granholm yesterday, in the middle of a price spike on gas, she's once again saying this is a moment to transition to green energy. No, this is exactly the wrong moment to transition to green energy. You dope.
2: The reduction of supply
0: of uh, natural gas
2: and oil from Russia creates a moment that we should be acting. I mean, we heard President Zelensky. We do not want to see uh, any country that is held hostage to Vladimir Putin. And this is a moment
0: for Congress to be able to act. These people are out of their mind. They're out of their mind. They look at President Zelensky talking about what's going on in Ukraine, and their first move is, what if we cut ourselves off further from natural gas and oil, meaning that we're going to make ourselves more dependent on foreign natural gas and oil? It's just stupidity. So we are on a perilous economic front right now. Very, very perilous. Like many economists think we're going to slide into recession over the course of the next few months. You combine that with the perilousness of the situation in Ukraine, and you have a recipe for a real conflagration. With the economy teetering on the brink the way that it is, you really need to take advantage of any possible business advantage you can find. And as you know, if you own a business, there aren't enough hours in a day to waste playing phone tag, the list of customers you need to reach, it's not getting any shorter, especially when business is good, which is why local businesses everywhere turn to Podium. Podium makes every interaction as easy as sending a text. So everything that makes your business great can get done faster. Podium isn't just a better way to communicate. It's a better way to do all the things. Gathering reviews, collecting payments, even marketing to your customers. Podium makes it all as easy as pressing send. You won't just free up more time. You'll grow your business and get more done. With Podium, you close deals with customers before the competition even has a chance to call them back. Join more than 100,000 businesses that already use Podium to streamline their customer interactions. Get started for free at Podium.com slash Shapiro or sign up for a paid Podium account and get a free credit card reader. Restrictions apply. That is Podium.com slash Shapiro. Again, Podium.com slash Shapiro or sign up for that paid Podium account and get a free credit card reader. Get started for free. Podium.com slash Shapiro to get started right now and make your business more efficient. Now. Everybody is sort of taking it as though Russia's failures in Ukraine are going to somehow tamp down the prospect of serious war. I am not so sure that is the case. The reason that I'm a little more skeptical is because the deeper that Vladimir Putin gets in here and the fewer off ramps that are available to him, the more volatile he is going to become. This was always seen by the West, which is why it was important to box him in before he invaded Ukraine. Once he invaded Ukraine, there are not a lot of good solutions on the table, as I keep saying. Now, the West is sort of getting happy and fat over the idea that Ukraine is going to completely repel Russia here. But this neglects the fact that not only is Russia a much larger country than Ukraine, but also Vladimir Putin has a lot more at stake than the West does here. The West has something at stake in defending Ukraine and that they want to dissuade Russia from doing things like this again. They want to dissuade China from going after Taiwan. We do have a heavy stake here, which is why we're doing what we're doing. But Vladimir Putin His entire regime may be tottering right now because he's completely destroyed the economy of his own country in order to make this move. And so he has to come away with something. And so what you've seen is him ramping up in radical fashion the attacks on civilians. I mean, in serious, like there was a report yesterday that he just attacked a theater in Mariupol, that people were just sheltering there. And so the Russians just bombed the theater, which would not be a shock. They did the same thing in Grozny and Chechnya way back in 1999, 2000. Just killed several hundred people. It is unclear how many people died in that theater in Mariupol over the last 24 hours. Meanwhile, things get worse for the Russians, not better on the military front, according to the New York Times. In the 36 days of fighting on Iwo Jima during World War II, nearly 7000 Marines were killed. Now, 20 days after Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, his military has already lost more soldiers than that, according to American intelligence estimates. That's unbelievable. So he has lost more soldiers in three weeks than we lost during the entirety of the Battle of Iwo Jima, which is totally crazy. It was one of the bloodiest battles in modern American history. The conservative side of the estimate at more than 7,000 Russian troop deaths is greater than the number of American troops killed over 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. Russia's strategy, by the way, is the same as it was during World War II, which is just throw men into the meat grinder. It's an insane strategy, particularly in a time when Russia does not have the resources to replenish those men. But Russia has one way of doing things, and they have not changed that way of doing things. With the more than 150,000 Russian troops now involved in the war in Ukraine, Russian casualties, when including the estimated 14 to 21,000 injured, are near the level of the 10% casualty rate for a single unit that renders it unable to carry out combat-related tasks. So the idea here is that Russia may be on the brink of losing. Pentagon officials say a high and rising number of war dead can destroy the will to continue fighting. The result, they say, has shown up in intelligence reports that senior officials in the Biden administration read every day. One recent report focused on low morale among Russian troops described soldiers just parking their vehicles and walking off into the woods. The American officials caution their number of Russian troop deaths are inexact, though compiled with the analysis of the latest news media, Ukrainian figures, which tend to be high, they say almost 14,000 troop deaths, and Russian figures, which tend to be really low, they say just 500 troop deaths. This should be somewhere near accurate. American military and intelligence officials know, for example, how many troops are usually in a tank. They can extrapolate from that by the number of casualties when an armored vehicle is hit by, say, a Javelin anti-tank missile. Evelyn Farkas, top Pentagon official for Russia and Ukraine during the Obama administration, says, losses like this affect morale and unit cohesion, especially since these soldiers do not understand why they're fighting. Okay, so all of that is is good and, and wonderful in the sense that we don't want Russia to win. However, we should mention that as things get worse, For Russia, it is more likely that they become more volatile. It is not more likely that they become less volatile and just sort of go away. On the economic front, Russia's in serious trouble. On the economic front, Russia's about to default on all of its bonds, which means it won't be able to take out any credit on world markets anytime soon ever again, meaning it becomes basically a gas proxy state for China. According to the Wall Street Journal, Russia's finance minister said the country paid what it owed on its foreign debts on Wednesday, but wasn't even sure if the payments would go through. The Russian government is required to pay $117 million in interest payments on $2 denominated government bonds on Wednesday. Failure to pay or attempting to pay in rubles would set the stage for Russia to be placed in default by its creditors. The impossibility of fulfilling our obligations in foreign currency does not depend on us, said Finance Minister Anton Siluanov. He says, we have the money. We paid the payment. Now the bill is on the side, first of all, of the American authorities. So Russia may be on the brink of basically defaulting, which again means that the country is effectively bankrupt and nobody's going to invest there pretty much ever again. Which is why it is no shock that the U.S. is now warning Moscow against using chemical or biological weapons. President Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, warned his Russian counterpart on Wednesday, according to The New York Times, against, quote, any possible Russian decision to use chemical or biological weapons in Ukraine. The explicit warning to Nikolai Petrushev, President Putin's main national security advisor, reflected escalating concerns in Washington that the Russians, stymied in their hopes of a quick takeover of the country, could resort to weapons of mass destruction. Officials said there was no direct mention of the use of battlefield nuclear weapons, though two officials said the administration did send a separate warning on that issue. And this does raise the question, okay, if Russia goes ahead and they feel so boxed in that they use chemical or biological weapons or, God forbid, a tactical nuclear weapon on the battlefield, what exactly does the West do at this point? Remember, it was Barack Obama who drew a, we- a red line against using chemical weapons in Syria only to back off wildly from that red line as soon as Assad used chlorine gas in-, in Syria. And he just handed over the entire place to the Russians. So if you're Vladimir Putin, you feel totally boxed in. Do you just go for broke here? I and mean, you already went into Ukraine. You've already lost thousands of troops, more than the entire Western losses during the Afghanistan Iraq war, pro- probably. So what do you do? We'll get to more on this in just one second. But first, 52% of dudes aged 40 to 70 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ben right now. Speak with a U.S.-licensed healthcare professional about ED. Get 15 bucks off your first month of treatment. The benefits of ED treatment can help you reconnect with your partner. Roman Ready means confidence personified. It means your biology is working the way it is supposed to. Roman's system is completely confidential, totally discreet. No big logos, no labels on the packages with Roman. You get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S.-licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Ben complete an online visit today. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete that online visit today to connect with a U.S.-licensed healthcare professional and get it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ben today. If you're prescribed, get 15 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this year. Roman ready. Okay, so let's take that for example. Let, let's say that, that, for example, Vladimir Putin does go for it. Let's say that he uses chemical or biological weapons. Is the West willing to get directly involved here? So there have been recommendations that what the West actually, what the West actually should do here is station troops in Western Ukraine. They sort of edge over the border. Western Ukraine has not been taken over by the Russians. There's been really no Russian activity in the Western part of Ukraine. The furthest West they've gone is Kiev, which is about I don't know two thirds of the way West of the, of the Eastern border of Ukraine. But they've not really done anything in the, in the Western third of Ukraine. So if you station NATO troops there, then you basically say to Putin, listen, if you cross this particular line, you're going to start killing NATO troops. And at that point, we have to get directly involved. The problem with setting a red line with regard to chemical or biological weapons is that if Putin uses them, are you willing to go to full scale boots on the ground war with Vladimir Putin over his use of chemical or even tactical battlefield nuclear weapons? If Vladimir Putin decides he's just going to level population centers, what exactly are you going to do about it? This is the this is the real question for the West right now, because as that box tightens in around Vladimir Putin and as Zelensky feels that he might be able to win this thing outright because too many Russian troops are getting killed. What happens if Putin just decides to go for it? This is what Brett Stevens over at the New York Times is writing about today. He says, before the invasion, we had the Russian invasions of Georgia, Crimea, and eastern Ukraine, the Russian carpet bombing of Aleppo, the use of exotic radioactive and chemical agents against Russian dissidents on British soil, Russian interference in U.S. elections, the murder of Boris Nemtsov, the blatant poisoning and imprisonment of Alexei Navalny. Were any of these sovereignty violations, legal violations, treaty violations, war crimes, and crimes against humanity met with a strong, united, punitive response that could have averted the next round of outrages? Did Western responses to other violations of global norms, Syria's use of chemical weapons against civilians, Beijing's eradication of Hong Kong's autonomy, Iran's war by proxy against its savers, give Vladimir Putin pause? In short, did Putin have any reason to think before February 24th, he wouldn't be able to get away with this invasion? He did not. The West has spent 22 years placating Putin, through a long cycle of resets and wrist slaps. The devastation of Ukraine is the fruit of this appeasement. The Biden administration now faces the question of whether it wants to bring this cycle to an end, and the answer is not clear. Sanctions have hurt the Russian economy. Arms shipments to Ukraine have helped slow the Russian advance. Russia's brutality has unified NATO. This is to Biden's credit, but the administration continues to operate under a series of potentially catastrophic illusions. Sanctions may devastate Russia in the short term, but the immediate struggle in Ukraine is short-term. It is not long-term. So if the sanctions hurt Russia long-term, short-term doesn't matter all that much. For, for Russia, what do they care? Their economy's bad for three years, but if they get what they want in Ukraine, that's happening over the next six weeks. Arming Ukraine with Javelin and Stinger missiles has wounded and embarrassed the Russian military. Providing Kyiv with MiG-29 fighter jets and other potentially game-changing weapon systems could help turn the tide. Refusing to do so may only prolong Ukraine's agony. Frequent suggestions Putin has already lost the war or that he can't possibly win when Ukrainians are united in their hatred for him or that he's looking for an off-ramp May turn out to be right, but they are grossly premature, says Brett Stevens. This war is only in its third week. It took the Nazis longer to conquer Poland. The ability to subdue a restive population is chiefly a function of the pain an occupier is willing to inflict. And Putin has no limits on that one. There is now a serious risk these illusions could collapse very suddenly. There's little evidence so far Putin is eager to cut his losses. On the contrary, to do so now would jeopardize his grip on power. So expect him to double down. If he uses a chemical weapon or deploys a battlefield nuclear weapon in keeping with long-standing Russian military doctrine, does he lose more than he gains? The The question answers itself. He wins swiftly. He terrifies the West. He consolidates power. He suffers consequences only marginally graver than the ones already inflicted. And his fellow travelers in Beijing, Tehran and Pyongyang take note. So... I tend to agree with Brett Stevens here. The fact that our deterrence failed with regard to Ukraine means that trying to reestablish deterrence in Ukraine is going to, it's it's the same thing as the economy. It's going to cause pain. The question is when you want to take the pain. So is the pain going to be in watching Putin devastate Ukraine? Is public opinion going to be willing to go along with that to avert an open war between NATO and and Russia? Because Putin is probably going to up the ante here. Or alternatively, is the West basically going to look the other way while Putin Subjects the Ukrainians to the kind of treatment that the Chechnyans got in Grozny or that the Syrians got in Aleppo. And if that happens, how do you reestablish deterrence after that? Because every time you fail in deterrence, you now have to react more harshly in order to reestablish the possibility of deterrence. If you let the bully beat up everybody on the playground, you're going to need to stand up to him pretty damn strong if you want him to stop doing that at some point here. So the possibility of World War III is becoming significantly more likely, not less likely with Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And now it's not clear whether it becomes even more likely or less likely should the NATO forces start to engage in actual containment mechanisms against Vladimir Putin at this point. Meanwhile, if you're Vladimir Zelensky, you're just looking for help because obviously the short-term problem is your problem. You're not worried about the ramifications of World War III. The West is. You're worried about the ramifications of bombs falling on theaters in the middle of Mariupol right now. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bolin & Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull & Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bolin & Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bowling & Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bolin & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping. Returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. So Zelensky spoke in front of U.S. Congress yesterday. He did about half the speech in Ukrainian. He did half the speech in English. He started by talking about Pearl Harbor and 9-11. And by the way, one, one thing that, that should become very clear from all of this is how lucky you are and I am and everybody is to live in the United States. We have lived in a country where bombs do not fall on us on the regular. We have lived in a country that has never had to experience this in our history. Okay, the worst things that we've seen in our lifetime are 9-11, which was a horrific terrorist attack, but it was not a regular weeks long bombing campaign against civilian centers in the United States. It was a really horrifyingly evil terrorist day. But what you see in other countries on a fairly regular basis is just violence that pervades life. Here's Zelensky talking about how bad it is in Ukraine.
2: Remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 20, t- 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories in battlefields when innocent people were attacked.
0: Yeah, he continued along these lines. He tried to make a direct argument to, Vlad, to, uh, to Joe Biden. He's trying to get Joe Biden to take the leadership position that Joe Biden really does not want. He says you need to be the leader of the world, be the leader of peace. Today it's not enough to be the leader of the nation. Today it takes to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world
2: means to be the leader of peace. Peace in your country doesn't depend anymore only on you and your people. It depends on those Next to you,
0: and those who are strong. You can't blame Zelensky for making this moral appeal. After all, his country is under threat of essentially being overthrown by the Russian bear. Zelensky continued along these lines. He talked about the the virtue of strength in the face of Russian aggression.
2: Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world. Human rights for freedom, for the right to live decently and to die when your time comes. And not when it's wanted by someone else,
0: by your neighbor. So Zelensky essentially saying, I'm willing to die for my country. Sentiments you don't hear too often in the United States, where literally five in 10 Democrats say that they would flee rather than fighting for their country, as opposed to four who would stay. Zelensky completed his, uh, his speech by showing a, a video of the suffering that's been going on in Ukraine. Very, very difficult to watch. It's graphic content, but, you know, so is war. So here is what Zelensky showed yesterday to the U.S. Congress. So it shows what these cities looked like before, and now it shows what the cities look like now. Just Devastated. <laughs> Close the sky over Ukraine is how this completes. And this, this was his call. Close the sky. Close the sky. The idea of being calling for a no-fly zone. NATO has rightly been hesitant to declare a no-fly zone because they don't want to go to direct war with Russia. And again, the question is going to be, what does Russia do in order to secure Ukraine that could provoke a war? And is the West willing to do anything? Or is the West going to draw its next line at somewhere beyond Ukraine? For its part, the Biden administration once again seems to be taking half measure. It is not precisely clear where they are on this question. They keep making warnings to Putin. And I just wonder whether Putin is going to care about those warnings. We'll get to the White House response in just one second. Well, as we've been talking about, the economy is right now on knife's edge. Interest rate increases. They are coming and they are coming fast this year, which means now is the time for you to head on over to American financing. You still have access to rates near those record lows. It's not going to be that way for much longer. Now is the time to get that free mortgage review from American financing, America's home for home loans. Again, the Federal Reserve announced six more interest rate hikes coming this year alone. So you really should not be waiting to refi that mortgage. You will learn more about custom loans that can save you up to 1000 bucks a month when you talk to the friends over at American Financing. That's right, every month you could be saving up to 1000 bucks From lower rates to shorter terms, even debt consolidation, their salary-based mortgage consultants can do all of it. And they never charge up front or surprise you with hidden fees. So why not learn more? If you like what you hear, you can pre-qualify for free, possibly skip two mortgage payments. You might close in as fast as 10 days. Just call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182-334-NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Again, head on over to AmericanFinancing.net to get started or give them a call at 866 721 That's 866-721-3300. Well, tonight, it's time for my third Thursday book club again. You still have a chance to sign up. Tonight, we're going to go through my analysis of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. I can't wait to read it and discuss it with you. Perhaps the greatest book ever written on the French Revolution. Remember, Third Thursday Book Club is a live experience. You get to engage with me like never before. Here's the thing. Even if you haven't read the book we discussed, you will feel well-read by the time we are done. It's going to sound like you know the book because I'm going to be your guide. I'm going to show you why each one of these works is such an important work. When you sign up, you get my notes. That's a cheat sheet to the important lessons, themes, and characters. Remember, you're doing all of this with thousands of other Daily Wire members live. Seriously, this isn't like any other book club you've been a part of. So sign up for the Third Thursday Book Club at thirdthursdaybookclub.com to get my notes sent straight to your inbox for A Tale of Two Cities Set a reminder to join the conversation tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Also at the end of the conversation, I'm going to be giving you next month's book, which is a really, really great book. We'll get to that tonight, thirdthursdaybookclub.com. Also, there are a lot of books that are great that just don't get published. That's why Daily Wire Books began, DW Books. We are proud to be publishing books that are actively fighting the left's monopoly on storytelling. The first book is 12 Seconds in the Dark by Sergeant Jonathan Manningly. Now, You know that story because 12 Seconds in the Dark is about what happened the night of the tragic Breonna Taylor shooting. The media lied to you. They lied to you a lot. And this book explodes those lies. Check out the trailer.
2: It was very chaotic. It was very quick. Instantly, I knew I was shot. Breonna Taylor, she was caught in the crossfire of those bullets. As soon as your brain's registering, it's already over. The media got so many things wrong in this case, saying we had the wrong apartment. Her name wasn't on the warrant. She was shot and killed in her sleep, in her bed. These are lies. This is not true. And all the while you're hearing all these outside influences from athletes and Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, all those people coming and attacking you, putting your name on their account, saying he should be in prison. All these things that they have no idea what they're talking about, but they have such influence. The more we attack police for doing their job, the less good qualified police you're gonna have. When you read 12 Seconds in the Dark, you will find out the
0: truth of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor raid. The book is a must read. If you want to know how the media skews the facts and lies about the facts, this book is just case 1A for why you can't trust the mainstream media. The book, 12 Seconds in the Dark, is available now on Amazon or anywhere you buy books online. Go order your copy today. I can promise you it's going to sell out. Also, As you all know at this point, the Daily Wire does not stop creating awesome new content. We're super excited about our latest docuseries, Fauci Unmasked. This show exposes the most successful failure in government history, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Hosted by our very own Michael Knowles, he will peel back the mask on Fauci's past, show the world's leading scientist for what he really is, a giant fraud. The second episode, Dropped This Morning, reveals just how ineffectively the world's leading disease quote-unquote expert handled every crisis from swine flu to anthrax and everything in between. Check out the sneak peek. He's the highest-paid employee in our federal government. And beginning in the spring of 2020, Dr.
3: Fauci began to set national policy that affected the way that 330 million Americans lived their lives. For goodness sakes, I'm telling you, wear a mask, keep social distancing. There's nothing political about that. But who is Anthony Fauci? People who have conspiracy theories, those are people that don't particularly care for me. In this short series, We will do what the establishment media have refused to do. We will give you an unvarnished look at the career of the most powerful politician in America, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Don't
2: you think it's time that you step down and let someone else who has a more effective message? (laughs) Actually, no.
0: It's vital stuff, especially if you have friends and family members who are still Fauci fans. This should end that. The last part of the three-part series drops tomorrow. It is available exclusively at The Daily Wire. If you're not a member yet, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join today. The show is great since we're only adding more content every day. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So the White House has responded to Zelensky's appeal by announcing more aid about $800 million in more aid. Only a portion of that is military aid. A lot of it is humanitarian aid. Here was Joe Biden announcing that from the White House yesterday.
3: Now I'm once again using my presidential authority to activate uh, activate an additional security assistance to continue to help Ukraine fend off Russia's assault. An additional $800 million in assistance. That brings the total of new U.S. security assistance to Ukraine to $1 billion just this week. These are the large, these are direct transfers of equipment from our Department of Defense to the Ukrainian military to help them as they fight against
0: this invasion. Okay, so this is right. I mean, this is what we should be doing. The the question is, what is the actual strategy here? What is the off-ramp that is being offered to Putin? Putin has to have some off-ramp here. Uh, You know, uh, it's amazing. I'm as hawkish as anyone on the right. I'm extraordinarily hawkish. When deterrence fails, you have very few options that are very good. And the possibility of biological, chemical, or nuclear warfare in Ukraine is rising exponentially the more, not or as Joe Biden might put it, exponentially, exponentially, the longer this war goes on and the more losses Putin suffers. And Russia has a strategy that they've termed escalating to de-escalate, meaning we, we ramp everything up in order to then de-escalate. But the question is whether the West is willing to actually do the hard things that would be necessary in order to stop Putin from doing that. And at this point, I really wonder if that is the case. Biden has been pretty vague about what exactly his his end goal here. What's the strategy? And right? he says that the goal is to make Putin pay the price. Well, Putin's paying the price economically speaking. He's paying the price militarily speaking. The question is, what happens if Putin escalates? Here is Biden not answering that particular question yesterday.
3: And together with our allies and partners, we will keep up the pressure on Putin's crumbling economy, isolating him on the global stage. That's our goal: make Putin pay the price, weaken his position while strengthening the hand of the Ukrainians on the battlefield at the negotiating table.
0: Okay, well, that that is fine, but there's gonna actually have to be some sort of negotiated solution in which Putin gets something of, of what he wants. Because if that does not happen, then the likelihood, again, that an event happens that escalates this thing to the possibility of World War III actually rises fairly dramatically. I've been pretty sanguine about the possibility of World War III so far. I really don't think that this is gonna break into a major shooting war between the major powers, mainly because I don't think that the West has any interest in that. I think Russia has very little interest in it also. But the problem is that the lines that the United States and its allies have been setting are not credible lines. And Putin has to know that if he uses a chemical weapon in, in Ukraine in order to subdue the native population, then the West is likely to do very little. At least that would, that's what the past would have suggested at this point. And the West is being very robust in its economic response. They're being significantly less robust in their, in their military response. But meanwhile, you got Joe Biden using language that is not useful. So he may be correct, but it's not useful. In diplomacy, there's a difference between being right and being happy. And uh, Joe Biden was asked yesterday whether Putin is a war criminal. Now, the answer clearly is yes, of course. Of course, Putin is a war criminal. But the, the goal of the war, White House here, again, is to offer Putin an off-ramp. How do you call Putin a war criminal publicly and then within 24 hours try to sign a peace deal with him? Makes it very difficult. Here's Joe Biden yesterday. You asked whether
2: I a war criminal, sir. Oh, I think he is
0: a war criminal. He says, I think he is a war criminal. Okay, well, again, that's true. He is a war criminal, and thus don't don't write checks. That your body can't cash here. Jen Saki tried to back this one off yesterday from the White House.
2: The president was answering a direct question that was asked and uh, responding to what. Uh, he has seen on television, we have all seen uh, barbaric acts, horrific acts by a foreign dictator uh, in a country that is threatening and taking the lives of civilians, impacting hospitals, uh, women who are pregnant, journalists, others. And I think he was answering a direct question.
0: OK, so he saw that based on the news. That doesn't mean that he's actually labeling a moral criminal. There will have to be processes that are put in place to determine whether they're trying to back off of it, which is what they should do. But every time you let Joe Biden off the chain, something bad happens. Jen Psaki also could not answer the United States and and NATO. They are now providing drones, a certain type of drone that is directed at, for example, artillery positions among Russian troops. And she was asked, why is it that you guys are willing to send those types of drones, but you're not willing to send MiGs? Why, Why is one escalatory, but the other is not? And the White House has no answer for this.
2: Is your position that the drones
1: uh, were assessed by the uh, Defense Department to not be perceived as escalatory and to not be perceived as offensive weapons?
2: Again, I don't have anything more to confirm beyond what was in the fact sheet and the specifics in there. But defensive weapons is what we have provided.
0: Uh, no, you, you have not. You've provided offensive weapons because the distinction between a defensive weapon is like a defensive weapon. is like Iron Dome, right? It's a shield. An offensive weapon is one that could be used offensively, which is, which is like a, a drone that takes out artillery positions or Russian troop positions, that, that is an offensive weapon. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick-charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's Most Dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost a thousand dollars a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I can tell you, that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com Shapiro. And meanwhile, and one of the reasons I think that Vladimir Putin you know, still has cards to play here is because the Biden administration has made itself extraordinarily vulnerable with regard to this Iran deal. So they are, are so stuck there. They're so up their own butts on this Iran deal. It's insane. It's totally crazy. They've pretzeled themselves completely. The head is so far up the butt that it's coming out the face again. They, they've decided that they are just going to push forward with a deal with Iran's ayatollahs, no matter how terroristic Iran is. And not only that, they're going to provide cash to Iran and they're going to provide cash to Russia in order to make this deal happen. According to the Washington Free Free Beacon, Russia's top state-controlled energy company is set to cash in on a $10 billion contract to build out one of Iran's most contested nuclear sites as part of concessions granted in the soon-to-be-announced nuclear agreement that will guarantee sanctions on both countries are lifted. Russian and Iranian documents translated for the Washington Free Beacon show that Razatom, Russia's leading energy company, has a $10 billion contract with Iran's Atomic Energy Organization to expand Tehran's Bushir nuclear plant. Russia and the Biden administration confirmed on Tuesday the new nuclear agreement includes carve outs that will waive sanctions on both countries so Russia can make good on the contract. So Putin knows that he has Biden over the barrel with regard to Iran and that Biden would love to make a deal with Iran, no matter how bad that deal is, because Biden has a perverse view of the Middle East that he shares with his predecessor, Barack Obama, and the Democratic Party and that he's so interested in making this deal that he's willing to allow Russia to make billions of dollars in building a nuclear facility in Iran while Russia is attacking Ukraine. So much for those crushing economic sanctions. So in other words, there are ways out here for Putin. And by the way, this is all happening like days after Iran fired off missiles at an American consulate in Iraq. That's how delusional this administration is. They're just doubling down on the truisms of American foreign policy that have been wrong for decades. That if you're nice to America's enemies, that the enemies will be nice to you rather than aggressive with you. Every time you make a deal with the Russians on a non-Ukraine basis and you open the door so they can broker a deal with Iran, you're giving them a piece of leverage to use over you. And the Russians know this. State Department spokesman Ned Price confirmed on Tuesday, quote, We, of course, would not sanction Russian participation in nuclear projects that are part of resuming full implementation of the JCPOA. Russia's foreign ministry made a similar statement on Tuesday, saying, quote, additions were made to the text of the future agreement on JCPOA restoration to ensure that all JCPOA, that's the Iran deal related projects, especially with Russian participation, as well as Bushir, are protected from negative impact of anti-Russian restrictions by both the United States and the European Union. A State Department spokesman speaking on background told the Free Beacon the administration, quote, continues to engage with Russia on a return to full implementation of the JCPOA. As Secretary Blinken said last week, Russia continues to be engaged in those efforts. It has its own interest in ensuring that Iran is not able to acquire a nuclear weapon. Well, no, Russia has an interest in continuing to use Iran as a proxy state. And then they used Iran as a proxy state in Syria. And they've maximized their exposure in the Middle East and their control in the Middle East. Meanwhile, of course, the Saudis are looking at the United States cross-eyed and saying, I guess we're going to have to triangulate with China right now. Gensaki yesterday refused to rule out delisting the Iranian Revolutionary Guards as a terrorist organization. That organization, by the way, is responsible for the deaths of hundreds, if not thousands, of American troops in Iraq.
2: Is the White House willing to delist the IRGC from the foreign terrorist organization list in order to get a deal with Iran? We're still in the negotiations, so I'm not going to speculate or outline from here what
0: the final details look like. I mean, it's just unbelievable. She also continued, by the way, she was asked directly about the Iranians firing at a U.S. consulate and she had nothing for you because she doesn't care because this administration does not care. And then they wonder why deterrence fails. Deterrence fails because you guys are not a credible threat. You're not a credible threat. You can make a credible economic threat. You cannot make any sort of actual credible military threat. And it turns out that foreign policy does not run on economic threats. It runs on the threat of force. It always has and it always will. Here is Gensaki being Gensaki. These are likely the
2: the group responsible for firing missiles at U.S. facilities in Iraq. So as long as Americans aren't killed, are there, are there no consequences for something like that, all in an effort to get a nuclear deal? Again, you're speculating on something that is not even finalized. The deal is not finalized.
0: You can't show strength to Russia while at the same time showing weakness to Iran using Russian negotiators. It doesn't work that way. If you're seeking to establish deterrence, Every time, by the way, you fail in your deterrence, the possibility, as I said, of World War III grows larger. The possibility of major world conflict grows larger. Miscalculation based on misinterpretation of weakness leads to conflict. That is the story of every major world war that we have had. And it will be the cause of any future world war that we have as well. Already, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is the Matt Wall Show that airs 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our production manager is Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, the organizers of a sex
3: camp for children are now allegedly in hiding because of, quote, right-wing harassment from the likes of Ben Shapiro and yours truly and others. According to the media, just because you hold masturbation workshops for kids... Doesn't mean you can't be a victim, too. Also, speaking of victims, fake victims anyway, Jussie Smollett is released from jail, proving that few people are more privileged in this culture than someone who is gay, black, rich, and famous. Also, a children's hospital gives advice on tucking for kids. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're going to find out today and probably hate me for telling you. And a popular new song worships Ukrainian President Zelensky as a Christ figure who has come to save the world What's the problem with this kind of over-the-top adulation of a political figure during wartime or any time? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.
1: Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention, 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Ranchers subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying MRNO to MRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from MRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say MRNO to MRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.